Only Atari makes the world's most popular home video games. The only space invaders. The only asteroids. The only Pac-Man. The only Missile Command. And soon, the only Defender. And the only way you can play any of them is on a home video system made by Atari. I told you already, I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. This does put a smile on my face. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Impressive. Most impressive. You are on the Sith list. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 115 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Araj Dolachai, and my co-pilot for this evening's adventure in babysitting, the young, the restless, the bearded one, Carlos Buarguayo, the man that survived an airplane, the man that survived Mike Pappas in New York City, <laughs> the man we call Crunch Crunch, less is weirdly quiet, Gonzalez. The man we call El Hombre. The man we call the hair. The man that can rock his fiddle better than anybody this side of Irwindale. Eric (laughs) doesn't know where you were going with that. (laughs) I didn't either, buddy. (laughs) Struthers. How you guys all doing? (laughs) Good. Fantastic and great. Fantastic and great. That's great. Both great and fantastic. Mr. Gonzalez, who's weirdly quiet. Okay, people, I know this sounded at the beginning, but that is just how we do. That's how you do. That's it. <laughs> Mr. Carlos Buarguello, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm very good. I'm yeah. glad everybody's doing so fantastic this fine evening. First of all, I want to do a shout out, first and foremost, to Mr. Carlos Buarguello, because he gave me oh. an early birthday present that I couldn't believe when I opened up. Now... As you know, I'm not a huge Lego fan because I like my toys kind of like my food. I want it already made and done before I get it, okay? So I'm not a big it's Lego guy. such a dirty joke to stick in. <laughs> so I'm not you a big like Lego already guy. already solid and, and all that stuff, dude? And some mm-hmm. of you going, wait a minute, it's not your birthday yet. That's true. And the reason why my brother-in-law gave me this present is because he wanted to make this with me. Damn so it. I open up this big old box and it's a... True to size, true to scale, Voltron Lego set. 
And not only is it all the lions, but they unite just like my toy did back when I was a kid. And it makes the big Voltron. It is beautiful. And we spent a good five, six hours making it. And I unfortunately picked the hardest part to make because <laughs> I love the black lion. And that was a stupid move by me. So it was so fucking hard for me. And then I, I kept asking Boo, hey, Boo, can you come here? Because I don't know what this is. Uh, this means. It was my first Lego I, I ever made. Yeah. I felt like such an idiot. And Boo was just churning out lions like it was nothing. He was like, oh, yeah, red one's done. Green one's done. Yellow one's done. And I'm still working on the fat old black one. Thank you, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I walked into that one. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Lord. But thank you, Boo. Yeah, no, of course. For that fat old black one. <laughs> For the fat old black one. You but got it, it brought buddy. me back. I mean, this is how cool it is. I still have it on my kitchen table, all the lions set up. I haven't re- united him yet because I was going to wait for Boo. Mm-hmm. Boo had to leave while I was still working on the black one. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was about midnight. I was it was like, about yeah, midnight. He had to go. go. So I haven't connected to Boo. I would promise you I wouldn't. Yes. But they're sitting on my kitchen table. And when I walk in every single day, I look at those things and I get so happy. I told Lorena, <laughs> I said, you don't know how happy these lions make me. You have no idea. And they're still just sitting there. So... That was awesome. Tonight so they will you. unite. Yes. We will re- yeah, we'll unite the big black one tonight. <laughs> not you, Les. Not you. Okay. So, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Empty to say. Another shout enough, out. Dude. Another shout out to Jim Kruger and Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory. Yes. Because they sent us a faddle box with all kinds of variants and all kinds of cool stuff from Neon Future, the comic book. And they're going to keep sending us stuff throughout the issues being released. And yes. Les is going to read them and review them. And we're going to talk about them once they're released. So thank you so much to those amazing people that we got to interview at Comic-Con New York 2018. One more last shout out to the company that is PSD, who make unbelievable designer underwear, backpacks, and accessories. They have come in and they are going to be our sponsor. And they're going to give out a loot package every single month with all kinds of goodies inside. And we're going to raffle it off on Twitter. So that is happening. So this is a great month. I love October and October has been an amazing month so far. So thank you to all of the above. It's going to be (laughs) great. And that's going to go to our listeners and people on Twitter who retweet. And we're going to numerically uh, talk to Mr. Haas Burkhardt. And he gave me an idea of how they do it. So it's all going to be fair can't wait to give those away and we're going to give it out each month for the next six months and then we'll see how it goes from there so psd underwear thank you so much impact theory thank you so much mm-hmm. eric struthers thank you so much <laughs> hey man i did do what i can and you do it well <laughs> okay guys so what we're going to do for this episode is what we're going to do what we pretty much did last episode is we're going to play our adventures at new york comic-con 2018 part two which is where Mike Moneybag Pappas pretty much takes the mic and goes around and finds all kinds of cool people. We also have a really cool interview with Robbo about video games. Les and Robbo are there. I believe Mike Condone was there too. So we are going to play that at the end of this podcast. Um, we got a great response from the last podcast and we got all the DMs and messages. I thank everybody for listening. Uh, we had a great time, as you could tell if you listened. So we will play part two. We are proud members of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. The Podcast Network consists of, now this is podcasting, Rogue One, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, 
First Order Transmissions, Idiots Array, Tarkin Top Shelf, Podcast 2187, The Cargo Hold, and Fingered with Randy and Jason. Check those out. Check out our website, people. We put up all kinds of cool New York Comic Con 2018 stuff on there, our adventures, our pictures, our interviews. We have a whole tab on there specifically for New York Comic Con 2018. Check that out. It's pretty cool. You can listen to the interviews directly on our page if you want. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook, The Sith List. We have some swag on T Public. Check us out. Just look up The Sith List. And we have a hotline, 707-65-GEEK1. That's 707-654-3351. And if you want to drop us an email, thesithlist at gmail.com. That is your shenanigans. That was a pretty good one. That was sweet. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I was looking for some... uh, some kudos? Yeah, some kudos. Okay. Reinforcements. Gotcha. Oh my gosh, Araj, that was the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I've been practicing, Eric. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You had a tiny I'm writing it there? in my in my journal right now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dear diary, today Araj crushed crushed the shenanigans, man. He just killed it. I want a screenshot when you put that in there. I want to put it on Twitter. I'll retweet it. Dude, I handwrite it. I know. That's you what I'm kidding? Saying. That's that's really important. Well, just take a camera pick and then I'll reach. No, that it. shows the amount of care. I know. Yeah, I, I love that. Okay, let's get into the box office. Sony's Venom held on even better than expected, delivering a second weekend at number one, while Warner Brothers' Stars Born continued to shine. Meanwhile, the weekend's three new wide releases were led by Universal's First Man, narrowly edging out Sony's Goosebumps 2, while Fox's Bad Times at El Royale fell outside the top five. So Venom is really doing well still. It's at $447 million worldwide already in two weeks. That's pretty good. That That is more than pretty good. That is insane. That $35 million this week, Star Wars Born had $23 million and First Man had $16 million. So here's the thing. Saw Bad Time at El Royale. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody that wants to see it. All I have to say is, it was a copycat version of Quentin Tarantino films. Huh. And it wasn't a good version at that. Oh, it was cool shit. acting. There were some surprises. But at the end of the movie, I walked out and I said, what was the point of the film? Ooh, that hurts. Yeah, there was really no point to the film. There wasn't a message in the film. They tried really hard to be very Tarantino-ish. And I think they failed. I was really pumped up. As we remember, we watched the trailer. All of us did. I will say one thing. The music is outstanding. And all this information comes from boxofficemojo.com. Every week, they bring all the information to us. So thank you, boxofficemojo.com. I think it's time for a little Star Wars chit-chat. Eric Shutters, are you ready? I am ready, man. There's some stuff. there is some stuff, and basically what we what I want to do is just tell you there's some updates for a couple of things regarding Episode Nine, and also some stuff from the set of The Mandalorian. Now, rather than try to explain it to you, a lot of it's visual, and some of it may be slightly spoilery, so the best recommendation I have is to go to makingstarwars.net and check out the coverage there if you want to see the pictures. I mean, this isn't the type of spoiler that this is basically, hey, there's going to be Star Wars stuff in the movie is the level of spoilers this is, but just in case. Really, the whole point is to see it. So go check it out. Jason Ward has apparently been hiding in a bin on the set. And 
has been accosted a couple of times. So it, just make it make all of his hard work worth the while and go check it out. And then I might have the opportunity to go back and stay in that bin with him very, very soon. So I might give you some on hand information and live information. Well, not live because we record earlier, but you know what I mean? You'll be on the ground. Nice. The kind of the big news this past week, and it's a little bit of a downer. Uh, Chuck Wendig, the author who did the aftermath trilogy that of the events that took place essentially right after return of the Jedi, it, he actually did the Darth Vader annual for Marvel comics. It was really good. It's a mm-hmm. super good book. And he had been, uh, contracted to do a couple other things. Well, he got let go by Marvel and there was, he was going to be on the, I can't remember the name of it, but it's this, this Vader series is something like the Im- immortal Vader. I think Vader immortal. Yeah. It, that sounds right. Wait, Vader Immortals the or VR. Vader's Castle was or Vader's was it Castle. That? It was yeah, one Vader of Immortals the VR game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so anyway, he was taken off of that, and then also a project that they hadn't even announced yet because of some. They said his vulgarity on Twitter, and quite frankly, man. Now, me personally, whenever I'm watching him kind of go off, I think on the tweets that they're specifically talking about. It, it me personally, if if he were my buddy, I would have been like, "Hey man, yeah, I want to roll it back." But it's not like that's it's outside of how he typically operates. Mm-hmm. This is it's it's not out of the ordinary. If you look at his Twitter account, that's this is how he rolls. So it's not like they had no idea that this is the Chuck Wendig they were getting whenever they hired Chuck Wendig. Interestingly enough, so uh, <laughs> my buddy Blake, who does a just a banging job of impersonating my voice, he shared with me this thread from Bethany Lacina that shows a graph of the the tweets that Chuck Wendig has received immediately leading up to, during, and following the uh, tweets in question that led to this. So this is a graph from uh, September 30th to December 12th. And it shows you a breakdown of tweets that are anonymous and sock puppet accounts and then verified accounts and normal accounts. And it's pretty obvious, man, that this was a like a concerted effort campaign against Chuck Wendig. Now, a little bit of history. So Chuck Wendig really sort of broke new ground by bringing uh, some broader representation to the Star Wars universe because he had a, a, a couple of gay characters in the Aftermath trilogy that were awesome. And, and honestly, like uh, that was some one of my favorite points of the story. Me too, and, me too. And... And people, he he got a lot of crap for that. And it's inexplicably to me, but I guess by at this point I shouldn't be surprised by any of that. But I thought it was really cool, and he took a beating for it online. And right. he was very vocal about his stance in a, in a way that, you know, the, I'm not a Chuck Wendig expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it tends, I don't think he was particularly vicious attacking anybody. It was always in response to 
abuse he was getting online because it was really pretty ignorant. It was, yeah. He talked about he talked about how he was uh trying to remember exactly what his quote was, but like he was at a midnight premiere for his book and uh there was instantly a bunch of one star reviews piling up online for people who plainly couldn't have even had access to the book all because this this concerted effort to organize a campaign against him for what he's doing with characters in Star Wars. So for him to, I don't know, maybe have a meltdown of sorts. I saw it referred to as that on some website that, you know, crazy liberal has a meltdown on Twitter. But it wasn't out of line and Marvel decision making process in this. I really don't understand because, you know, the comics in general, man, have tended to be pretty open minded about stuff like that. And so for them to take this stance really kind of surprises me. And I I think it sucks for Chuck Wendig. I'll tell you what, man, he took the high road. One of the things he said was, you know, people want to instantly boycott Marvel, which I get it. I mean, to each their own. I totally understand that mindset. But his thing was don't punish the other creatives who are working for Marvel in an attempt to back me up. Right. Which I think that's cool, man, because that is that is what would happen. You've got people out there who are trying to do their thing that would be hurt by that. Yeah, there would be tons of people losing their jobs. And yeah, absolutely. He did take the high road and. And uh, I, like I, like uh, you said, I, I was very surprised that the way that they handled this, and it was very odd of them. I mean, they knew, like you said again, they knew what they were getting. It's kind of like the James Gunn thing. They knew what they were getting with James Gunn. That stuff was out there. They still hired him, and then they decided to let him go. That's their decision. That's their prerogative. He did some. He said some real sh- weird, shitty things. But this one was. The stance that they're taking on this doesn't make sense to me because it seems like everything that was shot at him was things that every one of us are against. Does that does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and here's the other thing. And I I heard uh Steel Saunders of the Steel Wars podcast talking about this was that the the people who are causing this uproar aren't consumers of the product. No. They're basically bowing to pressure from non-consumers. And my boss has this saying, and I've probably, you've probably heard me say it before, but the saying is, the thing ain't about the thing, but it's all about the thing. Mm -hmm. Because what this is really about isn't what it's about on the surface. This was like, screw Chuck Wendig, we'll show him. Kind of like the James Gunn thing was. I mean, the stuff James Gunn had said was way more pretty horrific off base than this. Yeah. Yes. But but that wasn't brought up because they were so offended by what he said. It was an attack against him individually to prove a point about something else. And that's what this is, too. Exactly. It has nothing to do with them being a, offended by the nature of his tweets at all. It was hey, here's a chance to cause a scene and make a scene. And they did. Now, my here's something I really wonder, and this is kind of like my big question mark of this whole thing. Anytime you make a decision like this, you're setting a precedent. Yeah. And anytime 
you make a decision that's off of what you would call sort of the center, you don't, where's the limit then? It's like when somebody does something that's outside of the norm, you really don't know where their limit is now. Okay, well, where where's it going to stop then? What's the new normal? What's the, what are the implications of this? Is this going to make, well, I mean, plainly, I would think it would have to make people so intensely politically correct that nobody can say anything anymore. Well, I mean, and does that also put, you know, shackles on other creatives that, I mean, because what's happening is, if I'm not mistaken, there was the big comic skate thing where there was, you know, controversy over certain types of characters and certain mm-hmm. types of orientation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Windig and all those guys going at the people that were like, you know, trying to close stuff off. I mean, I'm just, you, you're right. Where does it stop now? Do, do you have a trans writer say all of a sudden, I'm not going to, I don't know what to do now. You know? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because it scares people. And right. it seems like they're glo- gloating. And glo- I mean, they're very excited about getting him fired. And I feel some of the tweets I've seen is like they've won something, you know? Yeah. So it's very unfortunate. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I still don't understand it. I know that people are saying to boycott them. I don't agree with that 100%. But I mean, they could have just as easily said, hey, let's pull everybody in and say, look, guys. Chill out. Calm down and yeah. filter yourself. Where was that? Because I don't think that happened. Because I'm sure if he would have no, said, I think hey, they calm just, down a little yeah. bit. I think they just went to, or just we're just going to go ahead and give you the boot. Yeah. And that's but it, it, it's it, not a good look, man. It, see, but that's that's the thing. The reason that, well, it doesn't, it's not a good look at all. <laughs> especially nowadays, it looks very bad. Especially what happened with the James Gunn kind of thing. I understand them being quick to pull the trigger, but I don't. I, I don't know. For some reason, I have a gut feeling that there's more to this than we know. Something more, you know, inside baseball kind of thing where this is there's stuff in the shadows or something like that. You know, he's very quiet about it. He, you know, if if he felt that he was cheated or unjustly fired or something like that, he'd be in an uproar. Correct. Right, but boop. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, okay, there's something else here. Mm-hmm. But the backlash that they got from this, mm-hmm. I, I would have thought it would be out already. Mm-hmm. And it has been. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. It just it just seems I don't know, it just seems not a smart move on their part, especially with the backlash that they're getting. And then I I don't know. I don't know. It, it you just don't fire somebody for, for just those reasons. It's it's not like he was, you know, linking Disney or right. linking, you know, <clears throat> whatever he was working on at the time to that. He was Chuck Wendick. He said, You you can talk to me. You have a problem with what I do, talk to me. Not only thing. that, the things he was talking about stands and represents what allegedly the Walt Disney Company stands for. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, if anything, other than outright civil rights and and movements like that and political maneuvers and all those things, comic books is easily one of the top mediums as far as getting a message out there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Marvel has always been at the forefront. And I mean, let's be honest, Star Wars is in and of itself mm-hmm. is about, you know, the, the newest show is called Resistance. Like, mm-hmm. it speaks volumes as to what this all stands for in some way, shape, or form. So this just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't jive real well. stinky. Yeah, something's really stinky. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. Well, and, you know, the big thing here is this wasn't a, a Lucasfilm decision. This wasn't a Disney decision. This was 
Marvel Comics decision, mm-hmm. as far as we can tell. Which I don't know, man. It just seems I and I thought the same thing too. There's got to be something else driving this, but here it is, several days later, and it. If there is, man, it sure hasn't. It hasn't, sure hasn't hit the fan, right? And does this mean that we're still going to get him doing uh, canon books for for Lucasfilm for Star Wars? Del Rey, who is the publisher for those Star Wars books, has said publicly that they stand behind him. So oh, great! That's fantastic. I would hope so. That's fantastic. I'll tell you, yeah, man. I'll tell you this. So Chuck Wendig, the, the first aftermath book, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm into this. His writing style is different. Is. But once I sort of got into it. By the time I finished that book, and then especially the next two in the series, I love them. Yeah, me too. I think they're fantastic. I think he he told great stories. He had compelling characters. He wrote them in a really cool way. And I hope he does do more, man. I would love to read more stuff by him. I, I love the way that he does the backstories in the middle of each kind of like yeah, chapter. The interludes. The yeah. interludes are great. Yeah, I, cool. I, I agree with you. I didn't, the first one was a little off-putting, and I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I like this. But then it it kind of grows on you. It's kind of like uh, it's like an album that you listen to, and you're like, I'm gonna have to listen to this three or four times. And then once you listen to it for the fifth time, you're like, Wow, this is a pretty amazing album, like a foreigner album. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh Dude, no! Don't get me started, man. I went down this whole whole deal with uh, Matthew Thurman. We were oh, I saw. Man, it went deep. Went really deep. By the way, Mr. George, we didn't have a chance to say happy birthday to you because we were it was before your birthday. We would like to wish you a a belated happy birthday. I mean, mm-hmm. we said happy birthday to you on your day, but on the podcast, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you, man. It was a fan, fantastic birthday. My family rules, my friends rule, and it was just an all around good time. That's great. That's all you want on a birthday. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. It is. We have a voicemail from our buddy Sam, and he wants to talk at some episode nine. So I think uh, we should get into that voicemail real quick. Hey, guys, this is Sam Scorsone. I got a question about episode nine. I'm picturing a scene where Ray is confronting Kylo and he brings out the Knights of Ren. She's outnumbered. She's helpless. And a force ghost comes to her aid and does a force power similar to what we see Yoda do in episode eight. Which force ghost would you like to see come to help Ray fight the Knights of Ren and Kylo Ren? Thanks. Mm. First of all, nice quality on the voicemail, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was good. Pretty epic, Sam. That's the uh, first time you've sent us a voicemail. Please keep continuing to send them because your voice is very velvety. <laughs> I like it. Eric, you want to take this first because you are the man? Man, that's tough for me. Mm-hmm. I think that the... The number of force ghosts you can have, I I feel like we've sort of set the precedent that all force ghosts have to have some sort of emotional connection to the person they're manifesting to. At least that's what it appears to be. In the films. In the films, yes. Because obviously we had Yoda talk to Mr. Ezra. Yeah, but he was real. Yoda was alive at that time. So that's different. Oh, so he was a projection. Yeah. Kind of like what Luke did. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so then, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of murky, you know, <laughs> it yeah. makes it a little yeah. murky, right. but muddies it up a bit. But 
Uh, so that being the case, man, I would think it would have to be, it would have to be loot if you're going to kind of operate inside of that container, because it, it would have to be loot for both of those, for both Ray and for Kylo. But, but wait a minute here. Have we ever seen a force ghost do physical harm or battle? Am I, lo- am I, am I losing it right now? We haven't seen one do battle. Do, do we you know, know we did... they, they can do physical harm in battle? Or do, can they just advise? Well, we saw Yoda call down lightning. Yes. And sure strike did. the tree. Gotcha. So that... And and I've I've heard that, you know, originally in some draft of re- the Return of the Jedi script that Force Ghost, Yoda, and Obi-Wan were going to come and help Luke fight Darth Vader and the Emperor. Emperor. I'm glad they did away with that. That yeah, was that would have been awful. So, man, I really don't know. I I really don't know what they would do besides, you know, call down the forces of nature. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, thinking? I would think it would have to be Luke. What about not helping Ray directly cuz uh Anakin doesn't have any connection to Ray, but he has connection to Kylo. Somewhat Ish. Oh, so you're saying that familyness that Anakin would come down and then be conflicted on who to help? Yes, kind of Ooh. thing. Yeah, I, but I, but I do think Luke would be the more fan service. Like, oh yeah, he's back. Yes, you see him. But I think Anakin would be more of a a surprise, like snow getting cut in half, kind of thing. Like, oh shit, what's going on? What the fuck? Moment. So I I, I think that might be one, on. but I'm pretty sure because if they had to pick one, it would be Luke. But that would be my the first two next acts. choice would be Anakin coming and down and not helping Ray directly. It's not as impactful, kind, in my kind of trying to stop. Mm-hmm. So Kylo. if you don't I see him you, and then he comes the and he ignites the green and so Steel can you know lose his mind when he does ignite the green. If he does that, then I can see that. But if you're going to use him like they did with Obi Wan in the first couple acts and then bring him back to help Ray, I don't see that as being as impactful. Instead of it being a force ghost, can we get, and I'm going to drag this name again. Ahsoka? Yes. Busting in Ahsoka on the Ahsoka Tano come in in episode and, nine, you mean? Yeah. The theater, I think, would lose its mind and go hey, crazy. I would imagine that people would be happy, uh, but I don't know. I think if they I wanted think- to do, do something that different, I think they would have, Ryan Johnson would have busted that out in episode eight. Yeah. But it's I mean, a good does idea. that take everything in different directions does it finally close everything off this is supposed to close it all off right the, uh, the skywalker yeah. lineage yeah but then it would establish other people going forward so we should get ray ahsoka yeah but dare that's, I say that's not what they're th- that's not what they're gonna do yeah. and i don't think that's what they're gonna yeah you're not gonna see that go ahead eric i'm sorry i interrupt oh no you're fine man so i i think the thing we have to remind ourselves is, is now obviously there there's a line somewhere in here but the general movie going public has no idea who Ahsoka is uh, and they, and they don't care. That's right. It's it. Now it, that doesn't mean they couldn't use her because a well-written character in a well-written story will be impactful with or without the preconceived notion of who they are. But for the fans, it would be like, it would be so weird to be like, you know, Joe moviegoer sitting in the, in the movies, but you're at the, the the big fan premiere where everybody else in there knows Star Wars inside now and everybody's losing their shit <laughs> and they're like, well, who's that orange girl? That's weird. But it's, you know, Ahsoka, assuming that her race ages in a similar fashion, 
she would be pretty old, you know. That's true. But at this point. And then it would bring up the question of, well, where's Ezra? Where's he at? If she's been gone and back, you know what I mean? Well, Ezra was Lord Santeca. You guys didn't know that? (laughs) Don't (laughs) you ever. I'm sorry. Don't you ever, because he he can't be. I know, I know. Because otherwise, it would have been like, to me, she's royalty. Also, I finally learned my lesson that family is the most important thing. (laughs) And Laura Santec had never said that. So it couldn't have been as true. That's true. That's true. It couldn't have been. I I think that here's the coolest way, because I would love to see Hayden Christensen as Anakin Mm -hmm. in this, is if it was like in the Force realm. Luke talking to Anakin. That would be the coolest way to use him. So we would see where the Force ghosts reside before they make themselves appear? They're like in a Cancun resort or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> With a couple of Mai Tais I, in their I need hands. To get a little, I need to get a little bluer. Yeah. I, I need some more... Uh, some more blue. I need some more blue. Yeah. I need... <laughs> well, or, or like, I mean, and I don't know, I don't think you would want the moment to be funny. But something you could do is where Luke could appear to either Kylo and or Rey, but turn to Anakin for advice, neither of where he can't be seen by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't know, man. I just think that'd be the coolest way to enter because otherwise then you have to throw the whole, here's how force ghosts work. You have to throw that out on its ear. Of course, I mean, what do we really know? We're all just basing this on assumptions from the few times we've seen him in the movie. So I don't know. Right, right. Well, Sam, thank you for that voicemail. We had a nice little discussion there. Please keep sending it, my man. I really appreciate it. Okay, now, over the last couple of weeks, I have promised Mr. Rusty Brown, who is a friend, a listener, an amazing young man, that we would read a screenplay that he sent to us, specifically about us. And Lorena. But unfortunately, Lorena is not here today. So she will be portrayed and read by Mr. Eric Struthers. So please. <laughs> yeah. So please, Eric, do your best. The performance of a lifetime right here. Yes. The, oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. I am not even going to try to imitate her voice exactly. That would be disrespectful to her. <laughs> no. Uh. That's quite all right, by the way. Uh, the, the, uh, the screenplay... It is called Welcome, Welcome, Welcome. It's written by Rusty Brown. He wants us to read the lines that correspond with her character. Les will narrate the action. Um, He will narrate the action scenes in the story, but he's also in this story. Go ahead, Mr. Gonzalez. The sounds of a door slams. And footprints are proceeding right towards it. chair is pulled out and it squeals on the rough floor. Suddenly a voice emerges from the distant screen. That does it folks. See you next time on The Sith List. Good night. Title over. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Present day, October 3rd, 2018. The exterior is the Dil Shahi house, night. The sky is dark in the early hours of the morning. Lights are out and a peaceful sound fills the air. Suddenly, a vehicle pulls into the driveway and the brights of the vehicle shine our eye. The car ignites off and a new face proceeds towards the door. 
He's short, bearded like a wizard, is on the verge of balding. <laughs> this is Carlos Arguello. Oh, he's he proceeds to the door and bangs on it furiously. He waits outside for someone to answer. The door swings open and answering it is a rod. He's well kept, muscular, and years away from being 40. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Rusty. He looks yeah, nervous. I'm getting shots here. Yeah. Boo, what are you doing here so early? I'm married, man. I'm so sorry to bother you. I just got a call that Les needs help. He needs us. Now. Wait, wait, what? Les? Yes, Araj. Les. You're really good at this, Boo. <laughs> yeah, man, you're, you're, you need to bring the yes, heat, bro. Yes, Araj. Les. <laughs> This is gonna be the outtake. Hey, well, it, it's my it, when I'm getting well, shots. Yeah, I just got, just got, got jabbed right now. Did you see that? She got, got jabbed. Les needs us now. Yes, Araj. Yeah, yeah cause I'm still getting over the fact that I'm short and I'm balding. Hey, but I know you're that a wizard. you're a wizard. You're a goddamn wizard. no, like a wizard. I don't got the powers. I'm I'm not He's a skeezy wizard. Dude. Yeah, He's Gargamel. Yeah, I'm fucking Gargamel. I'm fucking Gargamel. I would have got the fucking Smurfs by now. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get back on track here. You're back on track. All right. Go ahead. Uh, reread that with some enthusiasm, sir. <laughs> Start from the top of the page, guys. Wait, what? Les? Yes, Siraj. Les. Why didn't he call me? He thinks you're still mad at him over the whole popcorn incident at the movies. Are you kidding me right now? Afraid not. Tear rolls down Carlos's eye. Are you crying, Boo? I need a drink. Well, why didn't you say that? Come on in. Interior, Dolashahi House, night, continuous. Carlos and Araj enter the house and sit on the couch. Araj opens the fridge to grab a six-pack of Bud Light. He hands one to Carlos, who chugs it instantly. Slow down, Turbo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Brittany has been stressing me out lately. Carlos opens another Bud Light and chugs it once again. Boo, so what, what's wrong with Les? He's stuck and he needs our help. Stuck? What, did he get kidnapped or something? Carlos looks around not wanting to tell him what happened. Not exactly. He's lost and he can't find his way home. That motherfucker. Did he tell you where he's staying? He did. And you're not gonna like it. Oh, shit. Just tell me, Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> Studio City. <laughs> what's that? Should have called him Gargamel. I know. Let's change it to Gargamel. <laughs> you <right>. motherfuckers! <laughs> Kiss my ass. Okay, let me do this again. Just tell me, Gargamel. <laughs> you fuckers! <laughs> Studio City. Studio City. <laughs> For fuck's sakes! Studio City. Suddenly, a young lady appears from the dark. This is Lorena Eric Strut. <laughs> oh my gosh, Boo! Why are you here? Please don't tell me that you wet the bed again and need a place to crash. Also, Eric is so much more handsome than Araj. Les needs our help. And no, I did not wet the bed. Ugh. Carlos and Araj both look at her nervous. Lorena, what did you do? I didn't do anything. Wait, do you guys still think I'm mad at him for throwing away my popcorn? Carlos and Araj look at each other. Yup, without a doubt. He needs our help. Forget the fucking popcorn. He's scared and he doesn't know what to do. Lorena looks at the boys determinedly. I'm in. Let's go get him. 
where is that little dick? (laughs) (laughs) Studio City. Oh, for fuck's sake, Studio City. Carlos laughs. (laughs) (laughs) What's he doing there? I don't know. He didn't didn't feel obligated to share that information with us, that little fucking dick. Raj stands up and looks over at Carlos, who's drinking another Bud fucking light. Carlos is now Bud. Dude, really, boo? You're just going to get buzzed at this moment? (laughs) Don't judge me, Raj. Have you ever dated a redhead? Don't think so. I have not. Get what you need. Be in the car in ten. They all grab their belongings in a fast manner. Carlos rips off his Star Wars t-shirt and is now wearing his wife beater. Wonderful. Ties his converse and downs another Bud Light. Raj scrambles to the back and throws on his cloak. Pulls out his pocket knife and flexes in the mirror. (laughs) That's right. Sexy. Lorena sprints to the back and grabs her clothes from her laundry basket. She pulls out a forty caliber handgun and racks the chamber back to load it. Carlos notices everything. I don't think you need a gun. Oh, quit being such a pussy, pussy. <laughs> Damn. What the fuck? Shit. <laughs> Poor booze is getting worked. Goddamn, man. Fuck, I'm drunk. I got relationship issues. You're Lord. wetting the bed. I'm wetting the bed. I'm short. I'm balding. Um, where did you even get it? Where did you get your hair? Carlos <laughs> is stunned and amazed. <laughs> I just want to tell everybody that... Eric is improvising a lot of this. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. The fuck? Good talk. Exterior, Dolishahi House, night. They exit the vehicle to notice the one and only sitting in the driver's seat, Big Charlie. He's huge like a polar bear and speaks with a southern accent. Well, how you doing, folks? Real good seeing you again. Big Charlie. I loved you in Family Guy. (laughs) He said he knows Studio City. How? He works at a Popeye's up there. They enter the vehicle, and Carlos reverses the vehicle like a madman. Slow down, buddy. We'll get there. Well, how you doing, Arad? Real good seeing you again. Arad shakes Big Charlie's hand. Likewise, Big Charlie. Well, what does likewise mean? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Lorena reaches under the seat and picks up an assault rifle. Everyone jumps. Yikes, the young lady has a weapon. What the hell, Arena? Where did you find that? I was just laying it down. Calm down, you pussies. Carlos starts to cry while drinking more, but fucking light. Boo, why are you being such a pussy? Why are you crying? I'm scared for my friend. I don't know what happened to him. I miss him. We need to bring him home. They move out the vehicle and they drive off into the distance. Will they reach less in time, or will they desperately fail on doing so? One man is all alone in Studio City and awaits a daring escape. That was part one of Rusty Brown's Welcome, Welcome, Welcome. No, it should be revised as shit on Carlos Day. My God. That was part one of Rusty Brown's Boo is a pussy that wets the bed. Goddamn. And, 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 and don't date my sister. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. It's, yeah, it's, you better it's, not. It's not like a secret up, thing. Yeah. With my sister. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Is this the brother talk without being the brother talk? Oh, my, my God. That was <laughs> fun. That, that was, was fun. really good. Eric Struthers, yeah. you were fantastic. Buddy. Good job. Oh, thanks, man. Less great job narrating. 
And yeah. boo, way to pick up the game on that, dude. Fuck yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little rough to, to put into the character when you're getting slammed every five seconds. I'm sorry. Boo, you really brought it at the end, man. You really <laughs> rallied. Yeah, you did. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Rusty Brown. We really appreciate it. We are <laughs> definitely waiting for part two. And part are we? Who's weak in Or maybe there's, maybe there's. <laughs> <laughs> Who's weak in Wasabi? Well, all of us except for Boo. Sir, are three, for part three two. of the four horsemen are willing to ride to see where the next, the <laughs> next a, chapter yeah, takes us. Yeah, you three are riding as I'm getting dragged behind the horses. Yeah, we'll circle back around for you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder if I wonder if you're wetting yourself when you're getting dragged though. Probably. Probably. Fuck it. Yeah. At least I'm drinking as I'm being dragged. Yeah. Drink Bud Light. Yeah. 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 Well, Rusty, we love you. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. We had a lot of fun. I hope the listeners had a lot of fun listening to this as well. Let's do some random schmeals. This week, Halloween comes out. Very excited. Are we mm-hmm. going to go see that or what, guys? Absolutely. Okay, so Halloween comes out. Next week, we are going to have your creepy podcast. We have Jesse and Rebecca coming on, and we're going to talk nice. about... Yeah, we're going to talk about scary stuff and some cool stuff. And we're going to talk about Halloween. So we purposely set this date so we can come in and talk about Halloween and what we all thought. Um, can I skip that episode? Absolutely not. Damn, Damn it. I freaked out. Fuck. I need to because, sleep, man. Yeah. That's not happening. Fuck. But we do have some Halloween news before the movie comes out. John Carpenter had a little quote that he did not want sequels at all. He sat down with Variety and he said that his initial thing was, Oh, he had a quote. He said, Michael's disappearance at the end of the first film makes you gasp. And I wanted to leave the audience that way. I didn't want any sequels. Boy, was I wrong, though. I was thinking if that movie never had a sequel, how much greater of a cult classic would have been? If it didn't have any slasher sequels, slasher film sequels, and some of them are cheesy, some of them aren't made well, if that was just a standalone, it would have been up there with The Shining, maybe. Because it was done so well. The music was amazing. Yeah. The the sequences were really scary. And Mike Myers' lore, I think, would have been even bigger if they just kept it with one. So wait, what did he want? Just one movie he, and that yeah, was he it? Yeah, he said that, like, my, like, his, like, like, like I said, the, the Michael's disappearance at the end of the film, everybody freaked out because he was shot. He was gone. And he just wanted to leave it as that. It's up to us to think what happened. Did he stumble off and then die? Is he out there? Is he coming back? You know? Kind of want to do a Hitchcock kind of thing. Mm, okay. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but I, I don't think the... Because I, I separate Halloween from the rest of the sequels because those are shit. I do They're too, crap. but the problem is he did two and three. Even true. Three didn't mean anything. True, but it, it's... Michael Myers, but... I don't know. It still doesn't doesn't hurt it as much. Like As far as like horror movie characters, like Jason, I put him at a lower, lower, uh, lower tier. Uh, what is it? Freddy Krueger and stuff like that. They're at a lower tier. Mike Myers is or Michael Myers is up there still for you. Absolutely, even okay. even with the shitty movies like uh, the one where he's not even in and you know stuff like that. It I it, it does hurt, but I don't think it hurts that much. Okay. I'd, I I would like if it was like if his plan had been done and it was just one movie. I think that would have been better. Absolutely, but I don't think it hurts that much. Okay. In Variety, in that same article, they interviewed the guy that's playing Mike Myers, James Jude. James Jude Courtney is his name, actually. Oh shit. I don't know who that is. You know who that is? Uh, I recognize the name. But, okay. Um, so it's, some, it's somebody that we know, maybe. Yes. So that's show, that's telling me that we're probably going to no. see his face a lot in this film. You're thinking Jai Courtney. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jai Courtney. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Never mind. Yes. No, I don't know who bad. James G. Courtney is. He said something interesting. They brought somebody in to teach him how to kill people. 
Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> okay, wait this. a minute. That's the shit. Your job in Hollywood is Yeah, they brought in a kill specialist. Yeah, well they a, brought in a, a how to do it. hitman. How to on do it set. right? Oh my god. Yeah, this is what he said. There's a stealth efficiency to the way an actual trained killer works. Movies tend to dilute the quality with dramatic pauses and dialogue, which a true predator would never waste time doing. The efficiency is what I took to the part of Mike Myers. Of Michael Myers. That's awesome. So they brought a trained hitman. To teach him how to kill. So when we're watching this, it's professionally I, choreographed. Oh, that's oh my the God. shit. I don't know how to feel about that, by the way. I so, don't know either. So, so like the, the behind the scenes stuff where, he, you know, the hitman is talking, he's going to be in a dark room and his voice is going to yeah, be I don't changed. Think you're Does that guy, that guy leave his card with a fish in a hat? First no, time. No, fish in the bulletproof vest. It's not the first time because the Goodfellas had actual mobsters in it and huh. they had consultants working in it. Departed had the same thing, yeah, quote unquote. Well, Henry Hill basically was like, "Well, Henry this Hill, is my movie yeah. guys, so good fellas." Not the first time it's been done, but dude, I think that's pretty rad. I, I, I do think that you know a lot of times because of how you want movies to work, that somebody who really knows how to how to put the kibosh on somebody, there's just in and out, nobody gets hurt, that kind of thing. <laughs> that's true. It's, that's what that's one of the things with crimes, man. I. uh I used to work uh, loss prevention at Target, and it's a good one. I can tell you how <laughs> the mistakes that all shoplifters tend to make, <laughs> and, and uh, it, that if you really want to do it, it's I got to use my powers for good. But basically, if you really want to <laughs> do it, never mind. Just forget I even yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if Michael Myers is legit strolling around town going i'm gonna kill people it's not gonna work but if he's in your closet like an actual killer would be in your backseat of your car yeah they're that okay makes sense uh question for you eric being a loss prevention at target what was the thing that got stolen the most (sighs) employee theft is way harder on a store than external Mm -hmm. theft it's it's Mm -hmm. yeah they have they have so much more access oh, to yeah. to stuff, and a, a lot of times, man, you'll have people who are on the inside who will plant stuff that's supposed to be locked up for other people to steal and that sort of thing. You know, money is is one of them for internal. Honestly, man, it was you name it, clothes because of the fitting room. Oh thing that, yeah, you know you can't you can't monitor that you video with video you can't and i mean and you shouldn't of course of course but the yeah. fitting room attendant <laughs> can't be everywhere honestly <laughs> push outs are a huge one where people will pile high dollar merchandise into a cart and just bounce <laughs> just walk out oh yeah dude That's we had this crazy. ring of people who they had this whole scam where they would come into the store and people would just i mean it was very well executed they would fan out throughout the store and people, they would just take, everybody would have like their section to get stuff. They would meet in a spot. They'd take a bag of trash or a box of trash bags, open yep. it up, pile the stuff into trash bags, put the trash bags in the cart, stick kids on top of the trash bags and oh, have another shit. kid push the thing out. I knew someone who did that. That's awful. They would go to the mall and like do, do it just that. like that and then have a lot of awesome shit. You're, you're definitely right about the employee thing. When I worked at a music store, we had an inventory one year and we found that we had about $200,000 of music missing. And there's no way that was stolen from people. So it was done internally. 200 grand 200, a year? 200,000. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. One of the things they tell you when you work in, in loss prevention is that you can't get it in your head that they're stealing from you because that'll make you do make stupid decisions. And mm. and, you, you know, that's when you get like the deputy dog complex. But <laughs> uh, dog. but what you have to do is you you do have to understand that those losses are what keep them from paying you more. <laughs> It's that sort of thing because it's it's hard on stores. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that loss prevention thing there. Yeah, that what a weird tangent that was. You know, I, don't well, I mean, you started talking about somebody being trained to kill showing up. I still don't understand how they how does it pervade their service? Guys, uh, I know you're making a movie. I know how to do this. Let me train your actor. Show you what's up. Like I get the fight choreography, but I guess, man. Well, this actually, you know what? Military. Or Craigslist? Military. That's that's where I find my hitman. No, but if you get someone who used to be like a seal, a trained SEAL oh, or Oh, a trained hitman, yeah. Or you go to like Blackwater, Blackwater Ops and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Black Ops. Yeah, they know how to get in and get out. Uh, okay, there it is. We let's hope. Ho- let's hope it's that. We hope, yeah. Well, speaking of thieves, Aladdin had uh, a... That was probably my best segue I've ever that done. Was, that, was, yeah. that was good. That Aladdin. was really good, man. That was good. Thank you, buddy. It's the Middle Eastern to me. Aladdin, <laughs> Aladdin had a great teaser. Well, I don't know if it's great. Mm. It was mysterious, and we didn't see much. But I got excited <laughs> because it was Aladdin. <laughs> you see Jafar. You see a little bit of Jafar, and you see a little bit of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And you see the, the lamp. Yep. I was very excited, obviously. <laughs> so I got a bunch of messages on Twitter asking me if I was in it. Which, no, I'm definitely not in Aladdin, people. I wish I was, but I'm not. He's he's lying. He actually is. He's just holding on to it till the movie comes out. I'm a boo. That's who I am. That'd be great. Casting me as a boo. But so I can't wait to see it. It's going to be good. And we have a movie for this week in reboots. Hmm. This is not a straight reboot, but we're getting another Men in Black. Huh? Yeah. Having I know having first worked together on last year's Thor Ragnarok, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson is reuniting for another round of sci-fi shenanigans. Only this time, instead of being all-powerful as guardian demigods, they're trained humans keeping the world safe from alien threats. So a picture came out of them walking through the desert. Those two are together. I will definitely not be watching this. No? No. Come on. The Last Man in Black sucked. Yeah, but... This one's going to suck. Just don't, people. Just It's just... it, It was a good first movie. I need a trailer. I need a trailer, and then then I'll make my decision. Remember what you thought about? Remember what you thought about Predator, bro? Remember what you thought about Predator, boo? Remember going up on that hill with Carlos Aguayo? Yeah, but but that's different. Predator has a special place in my heart. If 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 the that's what I'm saying. Men in Black doesn't. No, I know, but if Men in Black, if I see the trailer sucks, then I'll agree with you. But I'm not going to shoot it down before it's just one one scene and a couple or one picture and a couple actors. I'm not going to shoot it down yet. I do like both of them. They're both beautiful people. All right, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Did I tell you the story that Marilyn Manson hawked a loogie on my brother? (laughs) No. What the fuck? You want to hear the story, Mr. Others, real quick? Yeah, I do. Okay, so we went and watched Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails. It was actually Nine Inch Nails was headlining, and Marilyn Manson was opening up. This is right when Marilyn Marilyn Manson was starting to get big. And we had tickets in the pit. For people who don't know what that is, that is in the front of the stage, and it's general mission, and during a Nine Inch Nails show, it gets pretty crazy. I'm not going to lie. So, Marilyn Manson comes out with his odd ball, like, circus sideshow. It was really weird, and he was doing some weird stuff. Me and my brother, 
We're right in front of the stage. Manson comes out, sings a song, and then hawks a massive lukey, and it hits my brother on the shoulder. My brother goes, I'm done. <laughs> Turns around, walks out, goes and sits down and finds a spot and sits down for the rest of the show. They didn't want to be there. He was pissed <laughs> off. I stayed, and I didn't it was amazing. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. But yeah, Marilyn Manson hawked the lukey on my brother. <laughs> so there's your Marilyn Manson story of the day. Could Beyonce hawk a loogie on you? Absolutely, she could hawk a loogie okay, on me. Saying, she can I... hawk whatever she wants on me. <laughs> oh, God. That didn't sound good. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's get into comic books slash TV movie news. Uh, say it ain't so, Cap. I put that as the headline. So Chris, a, a while ago, Chris Evans said goodbye on Twitter. And on his last day of wrapping up of Avengers 4, and everybody went crazy and it's like, oh my gosh, he's dead. So this is what he put actually back then. Officially wrapped on Avengers 4, it was an emotional day to say the least. Playing this role over the last eight years has been an honor. To everybody in front of the camera, behind the camera, and in the audience, thank you for the memories. Eternally grateful. But then somebody went, Chris Evans, you need him to do another retweet and say something because that sounds like Captain America's dead. So he put, just go, that's last week. I should clarify that I know I did tweet something that made a lot of people think that it was in some way a spoiler. I should clarify that regardless of how Avengers 4 ends. I would have tweeted the exact same thing. The last day of the filming was a very emotional day and it was the culmination of almost 10 years of filming and 22 movies. This unbelievable tapestry. So that is like backpedaling. So he is dead. I think he's dead. I think out of anybody dying, it's going to be him. You can jump to conclusions. There's going to be a lot of fodder, obviously. Here's the crazy thing, Mr. Gonzalez. I had this up last episode, okay? And I, w- I literally put, hmm, or is, or, or is he saying goodbye? Right. I thought he did that on purpose to screw with people. I thought the Russo brothers did that. But now, for him to come back this week and state what he stated, I think for sure he's a goner. Yeah, yeah, because it, it it doesn't. He clarifies what the what the tweet means, but it doesn't say yeah. anything otherwise to the fact that he is saying goodbye. Right. So yeah, so he is still saying goodbye, but just I guess in a nicer way or more of a vague way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no. So yeah, he is dead. Yeah, he's a, he's a goner. That is holiday music you're listening to in the background. But don't change that dial just yet. This is Arash from The Sith List, and I'm here to talk to you about the Kessel Toy Run, Episode 2. Join forces this holiday season, like we did last holiday season, and get together and donate a new Star Wars gift to a hospitalized child and family unable to spend the holidays at home. Now, our boy Brandon's setting this up. He did it last year, and he did an amazing job. And the gifts were just unbelievable got out to so many wonderful kids that are spending their holidays not at home. This toy drive is going to go from October 15th through December 20th. And all you have to do is go to Amazon.com and under account, click on find a list or registry. Go to search and I want you to put in the Kessel Toy Run at gmail.com. Then you click wish list. Choose your items slash items you'd like to buy. Then send your selection to the address, which I'm going to give right now. Send it to Brandon Manriquez, P.O. Box 7232, Long Beach, California, 90807. Now, if you're 
don't want to use Amazon, it's all good too. If you want to go to Walmart or you want to go to Target, you want to find a gift on your own, just send your items to the address that I listed, and that's Brandon Manriquez, P.O. Box 7232, Long Beach, California, 90807. So you might be asking, how is Brandon going to distribute all this by himself? Well, he is. He's got some help. Toys will be distributed by the Child Life Program at Miller Children's and Women's. Also, our friends, the Rogue Rebels and Saber Guild Temple Prime. When you make that selection, I want you to go on Twitter and tag at Making Star Wars and also tag us at The Sith List. But I definitely want you to tag at Kessel Toy Run. That's at symbol T-H-E-K-E-S-S-E-L-T-O-Y-R-U-N. And are you in? Oh, hell yeah, you're in, because this is a great thing to do. It's the holiday season. Let's put a smile on these kids' faces. This is what fandom is all about. Guys, thank you, and I can't wait to see what you guys get for these wonderful kids. We have a voicemail from our liege. Has, I, I love somebody out there. I forgot who it was. Put the Tom Chansky Podcast Network. And I, I saw it, that, it's yeah. A KT, it's a King Tom Podcasting Network. Pretty much that we're all on. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, and he has another voicemail. And he texted me this today, this afternoon. He goes, I really don't have a question, but I hope you guys have a great episode. Oh, that's and awesome. And then he texts me, I have a question. Have you guys <laughs> recorded? I said, no. He's like, okay. So, all right, let's hear it. Hey there, Sith Listers. It's King Tom. Thank you, So I wanted to kind of talk comics and movies and movies related comics this week, as usual, kind of. Um, Marvel is currently running a four-issue limited series, The Life of Captain Marvel, to pretty much get people ready for the upcoming Captain Marvel movie. And it features Carol Danvers going back home and exploring her family and her life. And the third issue came out today, and I just finished reading it, and it makes a significant change to a very key detail about Carol Danvers. I don't want to say what it is. I don't want to spoil it. Um, But really, it changes something that, you know, has been set in stone about her character for 40 years. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering if they're doing this because a lot of spotlight is being put on the character and, you know, there's the movie coming out, or if they're doing it because it fits with the movie better. and I'm, I'm just trying to, to process this, and I know, you know, without spoiling it, without saying what it is, it's, it's kind of tough. But I do think that I think I'm fine with it because it places her story more on her, if that makes sense, where it's not introducing some other element just to sell tickets for the movie or just to make the movie feel more authentic. I think it's making the character more authentic. And that I'm fine with, but I just want to, you know, are you guys, with as few details as I gave you, what do you guys think about hearing something like this? You know, changing a long-established, published comic history of a character to maybe relate to their movie. Because when I say it like that, it sounds bad, but what it is, I'm okay with. Anyway, thanks for listening to me and my vagueness, and I will talk to you guys later. King Tom, I love your vagueness. You can be vague anytime you want. And... For me, really quick, I like to just say one thing. If this was DC doing this, this would be the biggest uproar before this movie came out because there goes DC again, fucking things up and changing things. And oh my gosh, we're going to get an origin story that we don't want. And nanner, 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 nanner. Go ahead, Les. 
to what you're saying there, it's different with DC. Yes. If they do that to Superman or Batman, who are, like we've talked about before, when you talk about comics, Mount Rushmore, they're right there. Okay, I see. So if you change a thing in a book... So you're saying, like, if this was Aquaman, people wouldn't really freak out. No, and okay. that, that's like like how Aquaman is Jason is an island. You know, Jason Momoa is playing the cinematic Aquaman. It wouldn't be a big deal. I mean, some people may have an issue, but if you start reading Aquaman and he looks more brown, you know. Okay, I see. I, I get it. So, uh, and I think that's what's partially what King Tom is alluding mm-hmm. to. Uh, what you have to understand is that's the beauty. And also, the, like, the gift and the curse of comic books is that it's like, uh, what is it? The snow melts at the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. and it comes down, and it filters through all these different things before it becomes this, like, artesian, like, masterpiece that yeah. you pay $7 for a bottle <laughs> and of it's water. Like, and it's like a four-ounce bottle. Yeah, yeah, for a four-ounce bottle of water. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. I mean, so many different writers get their hands on these characters. And actually, it's weird. Another weird psychic moment. Mm. Uh, because I was thinking about that. As far as comics goes, there's so many different people have molded and shaped things. Uh, whereas other literary characters, like Tom Sawyer is Tom Sawyer. Yes. You know, Huck Finn is, is Huck Finn. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no hundred different stories written about it. It's not taken in any different direction. With comics and comic movies, the Deadpool we have now... Is different. Wasn't the Deadpool that Rob Liefeld drew mm-hmm. and created initially? It almost just comes with the territory. There's mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to swallow it down and say, "Okay, cool." I mean, we watched Spider-Man: Homecoming, and in the movie, basically they said, "Okay, look, I got bit by a spider, and this is what we're doing now, mm-hmm. and that's it. Let's knock everything else down. You pack that away, and this is what we're doing now." So I, I wouldn't have a real issue, but. Okay. Captain America was a Hydra agent. Yeah. Just a little shit. bit. See, okay, so when you say stuff like that, it, it's, so like I said, so many people get their mm-hmm. hands on these things. Mm-hmm. So even that was like the basis of Civil War II, uh-huh. in which Captain Marvel is all of a sudden facing off against Iron Man in place of Captain America, because, yeah, yeah he's a inhuman, had a vision of, Miles Morales, Spider-Man killing Captain America, Mm -hmm. and he said, this is going to happen. We have to stop it. They went to arrest Spider-Man. What's going on? Come to find out Spider-Man kills him because he finds out Captain America is a Hydra agent. Yes. Didn't really have the impact, I would say. No. No, it did not. No. Death of Superman or... (sighs) No, no, I'm just just trying to play the devil's advocate, yeah. So, I mean, it happens. It happens all the time. Jean Grey was killed off, Mm -hmm. and then... No, per one no, no. one issue or something like right. that, or a run of issues or something like that. No, I doubt there's a comic series. Well, Batman's probably made a billion dollars by now, but that's over decades and stuff like that. From yeah, blanks. yeah. So be it. Yeah, when, when it comes to the when it comes to making money, they'll do what they need to do. Yeah, no, and they, they do it on screen all the time. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, King Tom, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Again, once again, you have started a nice discussion. <laughs> By the way, if people are hearing little steps and little scratches throughout the podcast, because, because we're dog sitting and there's four dogs in this Sith lair right now and they're enjoying themselves. So I apologize for the scratching and the itching of the dogs. Actually, the little dog is 
um, Winston is scratching my Persian rug and ruining it, but that's okay. And by the way, we want to do a shout out to our friend, Stephanie Gruner, who is going through some rough times. Uh, correction, Stephanie Medina. Stephanie Medina. That's right. I'm sorry, Andrew. Stephanie Gruner Medina. And uh, we want to say we love you and we are thinking of you mm-hmm. at this moment. All right. So it's time to wrap up this episode and get into part two of our New York Comic Con adventure. Let's say our goodbyes now. It's time to leave. But Mr. Struthers, where can people listen to your beautiful voice? Well, if you want to hear my voice, man, you can check out the Bad Motivators, a podcast dedicated totally more or less to Star Wars. If you want to hear some dope guitar playing, you can go to my Bandcamp page, which is ericstrothers.bandcamp.com. And all this month of October, not much left, man, halfway there, for just three measly bucks, you can get the Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners EP, which is all the bumper music and theme music that I've done for them. And when you buy that for three measly bucks, you will get in your email by hand. So, you know, wait a minute, because I have to send it myself a download code for the free my other ep of kick-ass quasi hard rock slash classical music that uh it's pretty rad for free so three dollars three dollars that gets you some amazing music from an amazing artist by the name of eric strothers that's correct so please purchase mr gonzalez where can people find you on Twitter at Lessonmore78. Mr. Gargamel. <laughs> yeah, you motherfuckers. Where can people find you? At the Sith List, boo. And you can find me at the Sith List. So there is episode 115. Hope you enjoy part two of Les and I's crazy trip to New York Comic Con 2018. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. And by the way, people, I get The Walking Dead is back, and we will definitely talk about The Walking Dead in the next couple episodes. Um, the first episode, pretty interesting. So I'll leave it at that. Again, we'll, we'll catch you next week on episode number 116 of The Sit List. And enjoy part two. Hey guys, Araj here again. And this is our second episode of our mini pod, New York Comic Con Adventure 2018. If you heard the first one, you know how fun it sounded, how great it was, meeting so many great people and covering so many great things. So we are going to play you the second half of our adventure, which is pretty much on Saturday night, really. And Mike Pappas was so gracious enough to let us crash at his pad. And he was gracious enough to be the New York correspondent throughout the evening on Saturday night. So he took a little recorder, went out there, recorded a bunch of people that he met, some really cool people with really cool fandom. And uh, stuff about pops, horror movies. Met a great guy named Dan. And also met a cosplayer. You're going to hear that as well. And also I interview Robbo. Robbo showed up from the Robbo Report. If you listen to Steel Wars, you know who that is. Or if you listen to Hardcore Gaming 101, you know who Robbo is. We talk video games. And I kind of grill him on what his favorite video games of all time are. Sit back and relax and listen to the conclusion of the 2018 New York Comic Con adventure. So um, I'm going to have to go urinate. We're at another bar here for Comic-Con 2018. I'm going to hand the mic over to our new host, Mike Moneybags Pappas. He's got a special guest. And uh, we just met him at the bar, and he's a great guy. And uh, here we go. 
Hey guys, Mike Pappas here, uh, uh, temporary correspondent for the Sith List. Uh, we're at local on 33rd and 8th Avenue, and I met a really good friend. Dan Craddock is here from, uh, what's your town again, Dan? We're in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Fredericksburg, Virginia. Now, Dan had a very interesting story. I was enjoying a nice beer with this guy at the bar here uh, post-Saturday evening uh, after Comic-Con. Dan's buddies are from Waco, Texas, and Dan's buddies drove all the way to uh, Virginia to pick him up and drive here all the way to dirty New York City to enjoy 2018 New York Comic Con. And uh, Dan, tell us a little bit about what your buddies in Waco do and what their uh, their, their affiliation is. Yeah, so they uh, they started a, a Pop Collectors Alliance for all the Funko Pop Collectors out there, especially the, the ones just starting out. And they do a podcast, there's a closed Facebook group, Discord server, Patreon service. It's They really do a lot to just help people out and uh, make sure they're, they're getting taken care of. They're not getting screwed over by flippers, uh, which is most, the most important thing when you have collectors, especially people who are just getting started, so they're not discouraged by how hard it is to get what they want. Um, their podcast is great. It gives lots of great tips about how to, how to find certain things, how to read UPC codes so you're not getting ripped off by China like knockoffs. Um, they really try to help out. Now, you know, it, it can be really intimidating getting into uh, specifically the Funko Pop collector arena right now because there's so many pops out there there's so many different licensee deals and it's like where do i start how do i know if i'm paying the right price how do i even begin to uh attempt my collection start and what the pop collectors alliance does is they really help you and they guide you the right way of from bidding on ebay building your collection and knowing you're getting the best bang for your buck if you will and how to really manage your collection is that right that's absolutely right. And the, and the greatest thing is they've built a community of people and fans that are like-minded and that they're, they're, they're there to help you out. We even met with somebody from Michigan that's in our closed Facebook group. He hit us up as like, hey, I'm coming. Um, and we went to a bait this morning and to get Bruce Lee's. And uh, he pulled us out and had a little scuff on the box. And he was really, really upset. And, uh, and mine was like perfect. And right. I, I'm not a box knob, so I just handed it to him. I was like, here, have mine. Go, take mine. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, take mine. I'm not selling it. Like, I'm going to keep mine. But that's the whole group It's just helping each other out and, and you know, finding, you know, finding ways to, to make sure everyone's taken care of. It sounds to me like the whole community is ethically uh, positive and optimistic on the fact that, like, we're going to show you how to box your toys. We're going to show you how to collect them properly, make sure no one gets screwed over, and also share the love, you know? And Dan also told me a story earlier that uh, he was looking for a creature of the Black Lagoon Pop for 10 years ago. And uh, within the community, he made a post about that. And someone he didn't know, a total stranger, actually reached out to Dan within Pop Collectors Alliance on uh, one of the community pages and said, Hey, buddy, I found this at a swap meet, and I just want to send this to you. And you know what? That's what collecting's about. Collecting's not about, you know, these scalpers that are, are, are taking all the goods and waiting online for 10 hours. It's, it's really about helping each other fulfill uh, our passion for what for fandom and for what we actually absolutely love. So Dan, tell us where um, our, our listeners can find Pop Collectors Alliance and how they can make touch. Yeah, so you can go uh, uh, collectpops.com. Uh, Pop Collectors Alliance on Facebook is the best way. Uh, you can find their regular page there, but you can also do the official Pop Collectors Alliance on Facebook as their closed group. Um, you can look them up on most major uh, podcast links, so uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all those guys. Um, really, if you do a Google search of Pop Collectors Alliance, you're going to find all of them. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They have a Patreon service. They have Discord. They have all of it. And now it doesn't matter what you collect. Is that right, Dan? If I'm into Star Wars, if I'm into horror, if I'm into Marvel, I mean, it's literally just about the Funko Pop community as a whole. Is that correct? Absolutely. And uh, Rick and Piper, 
Uh, we call them Pixel Rick. <laughs> uh, they're they're really uh, even if it's something that they're not personally interested in, they're going to take the time to to research it. They, they've actually created bots to do placeholders for people to buy links online, cool. so that they know when it goes live, they can go buy it online and beat and beat those flippers. And how do they get those alerts out to their to their uh, users? Uh, through Twitter and Facebook is the best way to do it. Cool. So, guys, don't be intimidated. Whatever you want to collect, whether it be Star Wars or any other piece of genre, fandom, or franchise, go on Facebook, follow Pop Collectors Alliance, go on Twitter. What's their handle on Twitter? It is, uh, I believe it's at Pop Alliance Pod. Is that correct? Yeah, pop, at Pop Alliance Pod on Twitter. It's at Pop Alliance Pod on Twitter. On Facebook, it's Pop Collectors Alliance. Join the community there. Follow the podcast. It's uh, Pop Collectors Alliance on, the, uh, on your, uh, your podcast app on Apple and on uh, Google Play. It's Pop Collectors Alliance as well. Dan, thank you so much for your time, man. There's a lot of pop collectors that listen to the Sith List, and uh, we're looking forward to having you as a new listener, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys more. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your Comic-Con. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks. Dan was a great guy. It was one of the best parts of me on Saturday night was actually meeting this guy. He was sitting there, and Mike went up to him, approached him, and he just became a part of our group. So knowledgeable about pop figures. What a great podcast it sounds like they have. If you're into pops, you definitely got to check it out. He also was into horror movies, and his love of horror movies runs deep. And Mike wanted to ask him about a couple of things, including the Halloween film that's coming out and what his opinions are about it. So here is Mike and Dan once again. Why is this Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis's return, the full reboot from the uh, original Halloween from the late 70s, why is this going to be different than um, any of the other ones and H2O and why is it okay that it's a full reboot? So I think my favorite thing about it, and we should to, to start off, is, is is discussing that it's not necessarily a full reboot. What they're doing is they're interjecting a new timeline after the first original movie of John Carpenter. Which so the first movie counts, but nothing the else. First does. movie counts, and this is timeline sensitive. That it is 30, 40 years later that he's been in a mental hospital the entire time. So he's been in the mental hospital from 1979 to 2018. All the Halloween 2, the Halloween 3 with the weird shamrock. Yeah, so there's that year the witch count or no? Okay, so no exploding uh, pumpkin head kids. So this new timeline is, it, it picks up after the first movie left off. So we have to imagine that none of the other stuff happened. And I think it's going to be really, really exciting. And, 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 and for reverence, like, I love the Rob Zombie ones. Oh, they're fantastic. I think that they're just like a, a multiverse, uh, another universe of that. So it's his, it's his own it's his own rendition of what he felt it should have been, and I loved it. It was a great interpretation of it. Right. But I'm really excited about this particular movie, just because it'd be it'll be so it'll be so fun to see where they take the storyline in today's current timeline. You know, because when they were making them originally, the second and third and fourth, and they were kind of. Yeah, well, we uh, I think we needed Laurie Strode from the beginning and, and had that evolve a different way. So now we're just we're going straight and it's gonna be great. And Jamie Lee Curtis is a grandma, but she's got PTSD, so okay. it's, it's relevant. Like it's a PTSD movie. So grandma comes out and uh, kind of saves the granddaughter she, from her brother. Is she, that the thing? She, she's been hiding in the woods and she's been doing target practice and dealing with her you know post traumatic stress disorder from this ordeal, and she's ready to kick some butt. So Laurie Strode is the Sarah Connor of uh, the Halloween right now. Uh, let me ask a question. What is the, the coolest thing you saw at Comic-Con today for you? Um, I think today, uh, I didn't actually buy anything, but there was a booth in the back area, basically like above what 1A would be. 
right. on the top level, I know like exactly back artist about. alley, the back right. Yeah, uh, I spent about forty-five minutes going through a books collection of old, the old Monster magazine, oh, right. like seventies. Yeah. Oh man, I missed and that. A yeah. ton of, it was cash only, so I was I didn't have any cash. So it was oh. a bummer. But like just going through and like seeing the, the the cover with Tuscan Raider on it, you know. Oh and, wow! So that was just cool. Was just, that like uh, April seventy-seven or something like so, that? Yeah. So that that experience of just, and, and I asked the guy, I'm like, look, man, I'm gonna be honest. I don't have any cash, but would you mind if I just open this and flip through it a little Check bit? Check it out. Because me being a graphic design dork, I was just like, I need to see some logos and some ad layouts. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's and great. And he was just like, yeah, brother, you do it. Oh, that's I nice. do your thing. And I was like, it, it, that was a really cool experience. But, you know, this is my first Comic-Con, and, and what I can say beyond anything else with this experience was um, the sincerity and inclusion was just above and beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Like... When I got here, I was just the typical professional suburban dad with like my, you know, we all like are, my, man. My plain yeah. colored T-shirt, like none of my, like none of my staff, none of my clients, like nobody knew that I was a huge right. dork. And, and this, this You're event, thirteen years old again. Yeah, this event yeah. changed it. I was on Facebook, like I met this guy, I met Ryan Hills, <laughs> I met Lloyd Kaufman today. It was amazing. He yeah. signed my toxic, and all my clients are like. Wow, like there's this whole side of you that Yeah, no idea. But you know what? I'm going back after this. Right, yeah. Like I'm going back after this and just being like, I'm in my mid thirties. I've got a beautiful, amazing wife. I have two children. God bless you. What the hell do I have to worry about? Have a good time, man. Have a good time. I've got a successful business. I'm just gonna be who I'm gonna be and I'm not gonna care who thinks about it. And that's what all the hard work goes for is experience weekends like this with people who share the same passions as you, man. It's just been a a, unfortunately this is how it should have been the entire time. Right. Right. Know, but at least now we have it. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing I can say that my biggest takeaway from the convention is just sincerity and inclusion. So just uh, so you guys know, we're actually at a bar with beautiful with windows looking out at Madison Square Garden. We're at local. On at 30, local on 33rd and 8th Avenue. It was Mike Pappas' recommendation to bring the Rogue One Army, the yeah. Sith List, the Star Wars Underworld together, West looking at Madison Square West Garden. 30, ILM, baby. West 33rd and Joe Lewis. Barrage Les and Mike all weekend long. Um, listen, Dan, it was a pleasure meeting you, man. We, we enjoy you in New York, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again and talking to you again. Thank you so much. And, guys, again, just a plug. It's Pop Collectors Alliance so on Facebook. It's Pop Collectors Pod on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, listen, if you want some guidance on your pop collection and how to buy it and where to buy it and when, how to sell go. it, that's where to go. All right, Dan, thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys. All right, there you had Dan once again busting out some info about pops and busting out some info about Halloween and background of his horror, love of horror movies. We're going to start getting into the last couple of segments, and the next segment is a little conversation we had with Robbo and his love for video games, and him and Les actually talked video games for a good hour or so, and I wanted to dive in there before they finished and ask both of them a couple questions. So here is Robbo, and here's some video game talk. All right, guys, so we are back. We're here with Rob from Robbo Report. You might have heard him on Steel Saunders' podcast and all the other stuff he does, but he does have another podcast, and it's all about video games. Rob, Rob, what's that, what's, what's that podcast called for our listeners here? Oh, that is uh, Hardcore Gaming 101. Hardcore Gaming 101, and they talk about video games, all video games, any console, anytime. I just busted out the game D because it's one of my favorite games, and Rob was like... <laughs> It was an impressive D. Yes, yes. So, Les and Rob have been talking, and Mike, by the way, say hi, Mike. Hello there. We're talking about different video games. I got a question for both of you guys. I left asking Les 
what his favorite video game was of all time. And I think GoldenEye was the conversation for the last hour. Is that what we stuck with? No, we, we went we went we went far and wide. We went to some deep cuts. I pulled out the D and they went far and wide. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we yeah, ran as far as fuck yeah. away from you. No. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm gonna ask uh, Robo this. So having a podcast, being a gaming connoisseur, being a gaming historian pretty much, what is your favorite game of all time? And then what is your favorite game to play? Might not be the same one. You know what I mean? Because my favorite game to my favorite game of all time is Red Dead Redemption, mm. because of the storyline and how I feel like I'm in a movie. My favorite game of all time um, to play would be D, like I said. So, so give me your uh, two. Okay, so I'd say like my my favorite game of uh, all time would be uh, Bushido Blade. It's a PlayStation uh, fighting game with uh, it's like a samurai game. And uh, it's like a fighting game where you can kill the other person in one hit if you know what you're doing. It's uh, it's all about timing rather than... Um, it's actually kind of... What was that game? Uh, uh, not Dropkick. What was that? There's like a fighting game that was like about some uh, flying kick type thing. Um, I can't remember anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's like it's a game where um, it's also the only game I know where you can commit suicide as like a gameplay function. No way. Yeah, you. Uh, you I think if you press, uh, uh, just press the select button, and uh, your guy will just like kneel down, and then, and then your opponent will uh, chop off his head. It's bonkers. Yeah, uh, but my favorite game to play is. I mean, it's uh, it's always going to be Tetris. I mean, how, how can you beat Tetris? Wow. Yeah. wow. So favorite game to play? Do you still play? Tetris? Oh yes, yeah. As long as uh, as long as I have a working uh, Game Boy, I will be playing Tetris. Wow, that's amazing. Now there was a game yesterday that that Les was talking about. Mike took us to a unbelievable store yesterday, and Les was talking about there's a game that it was completely banned from the United States. Okay, do you guys already talk about this? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now what what was that called? The game is called Thrill Kill. And it looks like you guys already talked about this. No, we haven't. Oh, you haven't? Haven't brought it up. Okay. Have you heard about this game? I've heard about it. Okay, so what do we know about this game? We, do we know why it was banned? Yeah, it's a very gonzo. I mean, Les is probably more of an authority than I am. I've never, I've never played it. So. Oh, you never played it? No. You played it back I, then? I, I've seen gameplay and I got to play it. Okay, so what was the concept of the game? Like, what so was the it summer? was like melee style, but it was a melee style fighting game like Super Smash Brothers, set in... Some really bad, uh, so like abandoned insane asylums, abandoned prisons. Like uh, there was one where it's like in a Nazi death camp. Oh my and god! Like skeletons everywhere. Um, and then the characters that you fought with were just these weird, creepy. Um, there's a movie called Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah, I remember. They that. were kind of like that. Oh. So it was like the most like supernaturally wackiest stuff there was a an insane a guy with this straight jacket but he had gnawed his arm off okay so he fought he was the straight jacket straps would hang from him and he had just his feet in his face right so he had no arms and blood dripping from him and he was just running around like singing in a corner and you could control him to like attack and fight and then there was a creepy maid who was like a, in a French maid, you know, those sexy maid outfits. Yeah. So it was like exploited maid. And she, you know, her, her backstory was she was a murderer. Okay. She killed all her, like, family she worked for. Yeah. And she usually did it by seducing. 
the man and then having them kill and then poisoning them. Yeah, it's just really, really weird. All right, was this out before Mortal Kombat? Because how much more nasty can you get from the original Mortal Kombat? No, I mean, that was pretty because disgusting. Mortal Kombat didn't put you in an insane asylum where the patients were getting shock therapy in the background. Like, there was just some crazy okay, shit Okay, there's some on. crazy weird shit going on. Mortal okay. Kombat was Mortal Kombat. Like, okay. fantasy world. You know what I mean? Mortal Kombat is exactly what it was. Yeah. But this game was, like, just over the top. And it wasn't too bad by today's standards, if you think about it. But because there was a certain sexual element. Like I said, the French maid thing. She would, like, one of her kills was to sit on someone's face and, like, snap their neck after. Like, it was some crazy... Crazy shit. There was so a. What dude you're saying is, like, you want this game to be republished? They had a saying? guy with a straight razor who he would stand in his animation would be to cut himself and like sit there and slicing himself with a straight razor and then come after you. Okay. You know, it's so just you had the combination of the of the exploitation it, of females, it was the silent, violence. Yeah, it was Silent, silent Hill. Hill. On melee, Silent Hill characters melee style fighting. Gotcha. Like, okay. Like that. And, and still, you can't find it anywhere. No. That's interesting. What's considered, Rob, what's the considered, I know I asked you, the, uh, what's considered the most popular game in history? Is there, is there, is there something that people, like, uh, the, the Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth of video games. Is it Tetris? Is it Pac-Man? Well, on my show, we, uh, what we do is we rank the games that people nominate. And so when people nominate a game, uh, we got to rank it on a list compared to the other games that we've already nominated. And right now, number one is actually Tetris. Tetris. Um, one... Uh, I would say like the Mario games are always uh, high up there. It's tough to say. Like I feel guilty about it whenever we do that because I'm like I want to rank it really high, but it's like you know younger players might not get the same thing out of it. Like for instance, like Super Mario 64 for me was like just the dope because I'd never seen anything like that. But then again, I was like you know 14 years old or something when it came out. I thought that was really cool, but. Uh, what we try to do is we try to look for the games. We try to promote the stuff that uh, most people um, might pass by now. If that's a way of, of uh, kind of uh, try to put something over if it's, it's kind of forgotten. Um, I would say, like, uh, I was having fun talking about GoldenEye, actually, with Les uh, recently. Um, I consider that's a game that um, I played a lot of. And it was huge at the time, and now it's like if you played a, a FPS that controlled like Goldeneye, you'd, you'd you know you'd pull your own arms off. You know, it's like it's, it's horrible. Right. That's interesting that they haven't remade Goldeneye, by the way. That's the one really. I. I mean, there's the Time Splitters games, which are close, right? Very you ever close. play Time Splitters? Less? Yeah, I've heard about those. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're very similar. I mean, there's Perfect Dark. It's similar, but yeah, it just never was really quite the same. Yeah. Interesting. All right, guys. Well, Rob, Robo, where can the people find you on Twitter? Where can they listen to your podcasts and all the different podcasts you do? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at, um, at GC9X on Twitter. And I have uh, multiple podcasts because I'm a lunatic, and that's just what I do. So I've got uh, <laughs> Hardcore Gaming 101. That's a video game podcast. That's the, that's the big show I do. Um, I do uh, some Patreon bonuses with some Star Wars podcasters. Uh, I do the Robo Report with Steel Saunders. I do Blue Harvest Adventures. I'm the GM on that one for uh, Hawes Burkhart. And I have my own uh, completely non-scheduled, non-regular Star Wars podcast, the Wookiee Genome Project, which comes out whenever I can think of something that I want to talk about. And I do that with people like Emily Lind and... Uh, 
and others who, who are uh, just just brilliant voices, brilliant minds. Um, I love doing that. But yeah. And if you listen to us, obviously you are because you're listening to this podcast. You, you've all the names that Robo just mentioned. You pretty much know because you listen to Steel, you listen to Haas, you listen to Emily on um, all the different podcasts. So you probably have heard, already heard of Rob. And if you're into video games and you like what we just talked about, definitely check out the podcast and check out Robbo. Great guy, great podcast, great uh, everything. All right, guys. Over and out. Let's say bye. Bye. Michael, say bye. Good evening. All right, guys. We'll talk to you in about probably five minutes. So, guys, make sure you tune in to the Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast. You can go to hardcoregaming101.com. You can also listen to Robbo on Steel Wars show, the Robbo Report. So he's out there everywhere. So check him out. Make sure you check him out. It was great seeing Robbo once again. We're going to end this thing with our correspondent, our New York East Coast correspondent, Mike Pappas, meeting a cosplayer that was there at the bar on Saturday night. Her name is Punky Bruiser, and she has a uh, cool little story. So yeah, take a listen to Punky Bruiser. Hey guys, it's Mike Pappas back uh, with the Sith List, the New York City correspondent. I'm here with uh, cosplayer, influencer, uh, model, uh, Punky Bruiser, uh, right out of New York City. Punky's a cosplayer. Um, you may or may not know her. Her Facebook is Punky Bruiser Cosplay. Instagram, Punky Bruiser Cosplay. Twitter, at underscore Punky Bruiser. Punky, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into cosplaying. Well, I got into cosplay about like four years ago and um, basically it was just like I want to take all of my favorite characters and just bring them into life and that's pretty much what spearheaded the whole entire thing and yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> when, when you were younger when you were you know younger in your teenage years and stuff <laughs> did you ever think that you'd dress up as your favorite heroines and superheroes and things like that and people would actually like be inspired by you and like want to like look up to you and things like that no, like not at all. I never thought when I was like like 15, 16 years old that I would ever want to like make my own costumes or even make my own props or anything like that. I it literally came out of my 20s that I wanted to, you know, just emulate all of my favorite people. What was the first cosplay you did that you felt like would really grew you to the next level and evolved Punky to where she is now. My first cosplay was Yurichi from the Bleach uh, oh, I love series. Bleach. I love Bleach. Thank you. Huge fan. So, like, that was my first one. And then um, from that, it really came into, like, the, like, Lana Kane from Archer. And then... Um, uh, and then Gamora from from Guardians, Guardians obviously. Yes. And I see and a Gamora then, in you now without the cosplay, actually. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. And then from Gamora, it came Garnet from Steven Universe. And, like, that's really my favorite cosplay to do. When you're cosplaying and people come up to you and take pictures with you, you know, young girls, families, of people of all races, what makes you feel like, um, what makes you feel whole? What makes you feel so happy and excited about what you're doing? What's like your, what's your favorite moment when dealing with the fans? <laughs> My favorite moment is just the reactions to people. Like when I'm walking down the aisle and like people just, I hear in like the back of my ear, just like, oh my God, that's Garnet. Oh my God, that's Lana. And like people are screaming from like two aisles over. That is 
the most epic part of the whole Feels good, thing. right? Exactly. Feels good. Like, yes. just seeing everybody's, like, face light up yeah. and stuff like that, like, that is the most awesome feeling in the world. When you're researching a new character that you want to portray or you want to cosplay, how long would you say it takes you from start to finish to really put that person together? And how much is it less physical and how you look and more about the body language and putting that persona on to you? Okay, so my process usually is, like, um... Maybe a week or so, maybe a little bit more, like trying to, you know, like Wikipedia and everything like that, like trying to get into like the backstory of the character and everything. And then after that, like I look into images of the character to see what their stance is, to see what their actual persona is. Right, who they really are, how they act in certain situations, right? So like... All in all, it it would probably take about a month or so because, like, I really want to emulate that character. So it's like I really want to invest all of you into that persona. So, like, when I put on the outfit, when I make the outfit, I'm trying to embody that actual character and just portray it as best as I can. Do you try to stay in character as much as possible? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) <laughs> like, no matter what, like, like people, as Garnet, like, people will ask me for hugs, and then I'll, like, give them hugs, and, um... What about little girls? Do they come to you and they say, oh, my God, yes. and they freak out? Yes, I've had so, oh, my God, the cutest thing was, like, actually today, was, like, this little girl, like, dressed up as Ray. she came up to me and was like, oh, my God, your cosplay is so amazing, and I'm like, look at her, I was like... And I'm just like, oh my god, thank you so much. Like, that means... Your heart melted, right? Exactly. That means, that always means the world to me. No matter, no matter the age, like, it always means the world to me when, like, somebody comes up to me and is like, oh my god, you're just, you're just so amazing. Like, when they believe it, that's when I am... Complete. It probably even helps you get into character even more. Exactly. Like you like, feel it right from the heart. Exactly. It's, so it's what did you uh, what did you cosplay this weekend at New York City Comic Con? Um, this weekend, um, I was the wedding garnet from the reunited. Um, oh, very cool. From Steven Universe, and then um, when I went for my, I had a little uh, meeting with Aisha Tyler. So of course I oh, dressed. Oh, nice! Like, so Congratulations, of I Lana, which was absolutely amazing because Aisha is just. Like, she's such an inspiration. inspiration That's amazing. As in, like, as a nerd, as as an African-American, like, persona, it was just so awesome. And then I was um, wedding garnet the rest of the night today. Which also was really awesome. We've got a a special tweet going on right here from a fan or something. We're going to see what's going on here. What's happening here? Tell me what's happening right now. When I cosplayed uh, the wedding Garnet, I tweeted it and I actually tagged Estelle, the voice of Garnet. Uh huh. Oh, uh, she she retweeted it? And she retweeted it and said, super dope. Wow, that is freaking (laughs) awesome, dude. Congratulations to you and God bless you. Are there any plans for tomorrow or are you going to do the same costume? Um, Well, tomorrow we're actually checking out because we have a wedding to do in in my hometown. Oh, that's right. You guys told me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What time is your flight? Um, It's actually Monday at like, what, 3? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys got to start getting ready. So yeah, we're checking out Chill out tomorrow. Exactly. Chill out, pack everything that we need to pack and just like have a uneventful day before we have to like Hurry up and uh, well, I wish you guys a great trip, a great wedding. God bless. Congratulations to your family, your friend members. And uh, Punky, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so-and-so. 
Okay, on uh, Instagram, it is Punky Bruiser Cosplay. Also on Facebook, it's the same thing. On Twitter, it is underscore Punky Bruiser. And uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Punky, if you had any advice to young women who are uh, kind of shy about cosplaying and want to express themselves, um, what would you give them right now, the younger girls? Just do not, do not give in to your fears. If you, if you think that you're not good enough, don't believe that. If you think that you don't have enough talent, do not believe that. Just go full-hearted in whatever you want to do, and it would be amazing, no matter what. It doesn't matter who has cosplayed it before you. It doesn't matter, working, like, right? what. Working exactly. Girl. Just you do you as much as you can and just own it as much as you can, and it will show through. Punky, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. And, uh, guys, listen, you heard it right here at New York Comic Con, Saturday night, tomorrow, Sunday. We'll see you in the morning, people. Thank you. So there you have our second episode, our final episode of our little mini pod of our adventure into Comic-Con 2018. What an amazing time we had. We miss New York. We miss everybody already. Thank you for putting up with this microphone in your face for the last two and a half days. Really appreciate it, everyone. And thanks for everybody that participated. You know who you are. And for everybody listening, thank you for tuning into these two little mini pods. We really, really, really appreciate you guys listening. And we'll catch you next week on The Sith List. I like the-